We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into this special edition of The Vault. I am Sarah Ellison, and as you can tell, this is not Bobby Trossett on the screen next to me. Bobby, my regular co-host and partner, is in Las Vegas. He was going to be a part of this, but he's having some technical issues. Uh, but we've got a very special guest. As nice as it would be to have Bobby, you're the man of the hour, right? This is Jason from Huddle It Up Films. You may have seen him on Twitter. You may have seen him on YouTube. This man is a film machine, and he's here to help me out. We're going to go head-to-head, right, Jason? A little competition here. I'm always here for competition with our 53-man roster predictions. Jason, thank you so much for joining me for this special episode. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Last year, Sarah, we did well. I'm not a big fan of ties, but we both went 51 of 53 which is yeah. pretty darn good. Want to get that 1% better or 2% better and get to 52 out of 53. But this may be a, a tough year to do it, Sarah, because there are so many questions right off the bat with the start of the season and the secondary. It's going to be really interesting to see how the Ravens handle this. It's very interesting. Very interesting. By far, that's what was throwing me off the most was trying to figure out all these DBs. There's so many guys that are versatile, some guys that are injured. Now, what was difficult, maybe not difficult, but what was different last year was there were so many people that needed to get onto the roster but would eventually be put on IR that we needed to figure out a lot of handshake deals. Uh, There's fewer candidates, meaning there's fewer injuries, you know, to do that. There's still plenty of guys to do handshake deals, but there's less injuries. So that was kind of, uh, you know, a wrench to try to, like, finagle things too. So why don't we do this? Why don't we start off with the offensive side of the ball because – That's where I think there's less uh, question marks and where I think you and I might be on the same page uh, quite a bit. So why don't we start through offense? We'll give you the the first word on on the offensive side, but why don't you start out? Who do you got at quarterback for the 53-man roster? Yes, Lamar Jackson. I I believe Tyler Huntley has the edge. And, of course, we're doing this before the, the last preseason game, so we don't know the order. Tyler Huntley... Hasn't been practicing, has been injured. Josh Johnson, been around the league for a long time, Sarah. Ton of experience. Tyler Huntley has his experience over the last couple of years in some big games. And I'm just going by that first game in Philadelphia uh, or at, at M&T Bank against Philadelphia. I thought the offense looked better under Huntley. I th- think he looked sharp, uh, was moving things well, made some big-time throws. So, a little surprised that there was a legitimate quarterback competition between the two. Maybe the team wants to favor Josh Johnson over Huntley because both of them are year to year at this point. But I'm going to go with Huntley here in in my predictions. Yeah, I felt like I agree with you in that first preseason game. Huntley was clearly the better quarterback. I felt like Josh Johnson had the better. Obviously, Huntley didn't play in the second game due to injury. He tweaked that hamstring. But I felt like Josh Johnson comparing himself game to game I thought he was better. Uh, for me, Jason, it feels like this competition for number two has been more of a thing that has been coached or has been pushed by coaches, and maybe that's to kind of light a fire under Huntley because based off of what I saw in the preseason and what I'm hearing in reports coming out of camp, there really hasn't been an actual competition on the field 
uh, Huntley has been superior. So I agree with you. I've got Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Josh Johnson, he's been around, He's but he spent the whole um, training camp with the Ravens. I see him as a practice squad candidate. Practice squad is different these these days. There's more veterans that are there. You've got some room for that. It doesn't just have to be young guys. All right, running back. Tell me who you got at running back. Yes, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill. I believe they are all locks. Justice Hill has looked great, by the way, this preseason, I think. And he may fit better in Todd Munkin's offense than even Gus Edwards. Huge Gus Edwards fan. I'm a little concerned about his role here since we've seen him. Uh, you know, we saw him later behind Justice Hill in both the practices and that first preseason game. Big Gus fan. But I think those three are safe. When it came down to Keaton Mitchell and Melvin Gordon, I would be slightly surprised but very disappointed if the Ravens exposed Keaton Mitchell to waivers because I believe in him. Sarah, he was one of the – it's hard to make my board as a running back. He was one of them. Uh, I love his running mm-hmm. style. It's hard to replace. You can't teach 22-mile-an-hour speed on the field speed, not just in shorts and a T-shirt. Uh, he could be – Keaton Mitchell could be part of this committee going forward, a future Raven. You have him under team control for the next three or four years. And I could see him being a big part of this offense. Todd Monken talking about getting people in space. Keaton Mitchell is excellent in space. Melvin Gordon, the arguments to keep him instead would be veteran back. who's very good in pass protection. And that's something that rookies have a hard time picking up. Keaton Mitchell isn't the biggest guy, of course, but you're talking about passing downs, pass protection, catching the ball out of the backfield. Melvin Gordon can do that still. And will be able to do that as long as he's in the NFL, but, the speed, the explosion, and what I've seen in Keaton Mitchell, I don't think the team can afford to let him go. So he is my fourth running back. Yeah, I'm glad that you you had mentioned, like, for, for like, future reasons. I mean, Justice Hill, he signed uh, a one-year contract right before this. Was it this offseason that he signed that a two-year contract? It was a two-year yeah, two, contract, right. But he could yeah, be easily two, let go uh, after easily, this year. Right. He could easily be let go, but, you know, under contract for two years, uh, J.K. Dobbins, uh, who knows what's going to happen there. But, you know, if he's not re-signed, this is his last year. Gus Edwards, uh, I can't remember what he has after this year, um, but he's not long term either. And so Keaton Mitchell is one of those guys that, you know, he's young, he's undrafted, he's not expensive, all that kind of stuff. You do want to keep him. And there is. No way, if you expose him to waivers, that he's going to clear those. Uh, whereas with Melvin Gordon, who um, I don't think has looked as good as, as Keaton, plus Keaton Mitchell can play this year special teams. To me, if you're going to force a fourth running back, you have to play special teams. Mitchell, the way he's been acting on the field, he knows that, and he's been playing special teams, so he can he can – produce there whereas melvin gordon's not going to do that and again melvin gordon i think he's one of those veteran guys that could end up on the practice squad we remember he ended up on the chiefs practice squad for the last couple months of of last season so i do think that he could end up there absolutely you know the final note i would say is uh you know when it comes to keaton mitchell these guys it's just it's he's a different kind of back it is hard to find people as fast as he is and uh, no way, I don't think he gets through the waiver process. Each team will have their own chance to claim him if he was let go. Uh, it's, it's no disrespect to uh, Melvin Gordon. And I also wanted to say Keaton Mitchell, by the way, I noticed he was on the gunner the first team, uh, first time we punted, Jordan Stout punted. He was the gunner. I didn't get a good look at his performance there, but he did break free and showed up uh, when the punt returner caught it. But that's a great sign for his future if he can contribute not only as a returner, which he has done in college, but also defending the kicks. Right, exactly. He's one of those guys where you know how sometimes coaches will be like, force us to to not let you go. Force us to make it to where we just can't let you go. I think Keith Mitchell did that. So on to wide receiver. Um, something tells me that we're on the same page here too. Rashad Bateman, Odell Beckham Jr., Zay Flowers, Nelson Aguilar, Devin DuVernay, and then I do think, again, if you're going to keep a six, you got to be able to do special teams. That is Tylen Wallace. I have them going with six. Um, he's a, a great gunner. Plus, he really produced at the wide receiver position. So um, that's who I've got. Would you agree with that there? 
I have the same six and I don't really think that there was much competition for that six mm. wide receiver spot. I think that it's easy for us as fans to fall in love with a different wide receiver. Maybe you like Dante Demas out of Maryland. Maybe, you know, we heard the, uh, the reports of Tyreek, uh, Tyreek Black just making a lot of noise. A lot of Sean Ryan showed up in that first preseason game. But your sixth receiver spot, if you do keep six, by the way, Sarah, they only kept five last year, has got mm. to be a core special team player. And, you know, I've had some uh, disappointment, I will say, in the past that we keep all these linebackers to cover kickoffs when you have Justin Tucker who can just blast it through the end zone whenever you want. But being a gunner on the punt team is different. You need that field position. You're talking about a guy with Tylen Wallace who can beat two men off the line of scrimmage, find a way to screen down there and tackle a punt returner who's usually very, very elusive. That's a, a an important skill to have on the team. Tylen Wallace is very good at it. Of course, he was drafted in 2021, so the Ravens would have him this year and next year. I don't think it was ever a competition. Uh, yes, the six wide receivers, maybe they do something with Duvernay if they feel comfortable with Keaton Mitchell or someone else in the return roles, but I doubt it. Devin Duvernay is a, a pro bowler, all pro, I believe, kick returner. So I think that they keep all six. Um, both of us have James Prochet off the list. Um, do you think he will be picked up by anybody else? And if not, do you think he would want to come back to the practice squad? Not sure and not sure. If if I was James Prochet, and I, Sarah, you might know I was a James Prochet fan, and I think that he should have gotten a chance, a real chance, in somewhere in the last three years since he was drafted. Uh, you looked at him, he, he torched the Denver Broncos, got five targets in the next 10 weeks, torched the Cincinnati Bengals, I believe this is 2021, and then was inactive the last two games. And to me, I didn't think that that was fair. And, you know, if you look at any game that he's been given more than three or four targets, he is produced. So if I'm James Prochet, I want to go somewhere where maybe I have a, a brighter future, whereas the Ravens seem to be rebuilding this wide receiver room. You have two young players uh, in in Zay Flowers and Rashad Bateman, who the Ravens are going to have to make a decision on. So I would, I would lean towards no. I would lean towards James Prochet going somewhere, whether he's claimed whether he just chooses to go somewhere who uses a slot receiver. Maybe they don't have Isaiah Likely and Mark Andrews in the slot all the time, where they could really use a guy like James Brochet. Um, I, I agree. If I were James Brochet, I'd want a fresh start somewhere else. This might be our first disagreement of the show. I feel like James Brochet had pl has had plenty of opportunities. I'd have to go back and watch the games you're talking about, but James Brochet and torching does not <laughs> ring a bell. Okay. Doesn't ring a bell, but I'm I you know you're you're a film guy, so you know I'm happy to go back. But definitely more recently with his with his opportunities, I just feel like um, unfortunately bad things happen when he's been around the ball way too often. Super high lever leverage plays going against him and the Ravens when he's around the ball. Right, and then he's he's coming into the game sporadically. Okay, here's you're getting five snaps this game. By the way, the games on the line make a play. So I think that he eventually fell victim to that last year. And, um, you know, I can't disagree with that. But if you go back to 2021 um, and some look at the receiving depth chart and look at some of the receivers we brought in, uh, when a guy, you know, goes off in Denver for 70-some yards and then gets, you know, five targets over the next 10 weeks, I believe that's correct, that those numbers are correct. And then he starts against Mike Hilton in the Cincinnati Bengals and goes, I think he caught seven out of eight balls. For another 70 some yards and then he was inactive the next two weeks those were the times that i thought that he got the raw end of the deal and coming off the bench cold and being asked to perform in the last two minutes and a half that can wear on you so um i do have some sympathy for james brochet and i don't think yeah. that he got a great shot but uh torched okay maybe that was a too strong a word okay <laughs> <laughs> all right it's, was was he in those games because of injury well, do you remember what, what the circumstances were where you where he had solid games? Not off the top of my head. I, I don't okay. remember why. I just uh, I just remember running out receivers that I didn't believe in as much. And I'm like, well, you just found something this game with Prochet. Why isn't he at least active? Can we get him five targets? Can we get him more than one target? Like, can we give him <laughs> a chance to get in a rhythm? So, uh, you know, Greg Roman's passing game, it was very tight end heavy. Uh, slot receivers weren't used. Uh, James Prochet is a slot receiver. So 
I think the opportunities and what Greg Roman wanted to do just didn't match with James Roche's skill. Like I said, put him on a team that spreads it out four wide, that doesn't have a tight end who's a star receiver, let him work the slot. And I think he could still have a future in this league. Which is why you would think during training camp under Munkin, I mean, we're not out there to see how often they're four wide, but you would think that this training camp, you would have heard his name called more in it. And it, well, it just wasn't, I mean, there were obviously lots of other receivers out there, but I'm sure he got, you know, you know, he was out there plenty with second and third teams. So yeah, maybe, anyway, it's, we'll, maybe, maybe it's over Sarah, maybe, you know, and he's been through a long, a lot off the field too, the death yes, in the family has. and all that. So, you know, you don't know what's going on over his head, but uh, in his head, but, uh, but yes, no, no argument here. I don't think that he makes the roster. I hope that he moves mm-hmm. on and gives himself a chance to prove himself else, elsewhere. All right, so both of you and I have tied in and fullback together um, because it, maybe you'd put fullback with running back under uh, Greg Roman, but under this offense, we have fullback and tight end together. So why don't you give me your guys there? Sure. Mark Andrews, of course, Isaiah likely. No one's doubting our choices there. Saw some fans wonder about Charlie Kolar and Travis Vokalek, and I, I don't think that that's a competition at all. I think Charlie Kolar is a lock. I would be floored if he didn't make the roster. Where the discussion does become valid is, do you want to keep Pat Ricard or do you want to keep Travis Vokalek? Or maybe you just want to go with with three tight ends. So I have Ricard on the roster. I think he's done a lot for the team. Uh, I think that he is our best in-line blocking tight end. Uh, you know, if Kolar is unproven, likely is undersized. I mean, he's the size of Derrick Henry. Would you really ask someone the size of Derrick Henry to block some of these defensive ends and outside linebackers. Likely he's more of a move blocker. So I think they need a dependable blocker who can block not only in the backfield, but on the end next to the right tackle, blocking some of the bigger guys in the game. Josh Oliver's not here. Uh, Different offense, of course. But I I decided to keep Ricard on the team, uh, making the roster. The Ravens could save a little bit of money by moving on, and maybe that's how they manipulate it. Maybe they say, Sarah, well, no other teams really are using a fullback. Maybe we can let go of Ricard and bring him back. But in the end, I decided to keep Ricard on the roster, hoping Travis Vokalek can stay on the practice squad. Yeah, I I don't think there's any doubt that Vokalek has a future in this league. Uh, my guess is that he will get claimed off of waivers. I could be wrong, but when you have you know those two touchdowns, one of them being in triple coverage, uh, you'd think that there's a tight end needy team out there that's going to be like, all right, yeah, let me – let me pick this guy up and see see what he can do. Um, so, yeah, we have the same guys, tight end and fullback. For me, Patrick Ricard was not a difficult decision. I do feel like, Jason, there's a lot of, um, I don't know, just negative feelings towards Ricard, and I feel like that's misguided. I feel like those negative feelings are more about how Roman used Ricard, which is, you know, sometimes out wide, you know, and just kind of basically everywhere. And so – when whatever Ricard's been asked to do, he's done it well. And um, and so hopefully Munkin will more put him in situations where it'll be more beneficial and he's not out there taking the place of, say, a wide receiver or or whatnot. So uh, but there's nobody else on this roster like Patrick Ricard. And of course, that's been true for a while. I mean, there's nobody in the league like Patrick Ricard in terms of being able to play on both sides of the ball and, and and at different positions on the offensive side. But to your point, what you were saying about blocking, there's just nobody like him, and um, you need that. You're gonna need you're gonna need a blocker. I just don't feel like they have that that tight end yet. yet you know, like the Nick Boyle or uh, Josh Oliver and what he could even do. Maybe these guys will develop into that. Um, and then if something were to go terribly wrong at offensive line maybe Ricard could even help there or along the defensive line so to me it was an easy call to keep him uh but I am interested to see his his usage going forward so what about offensive tackle love this group for the Ravens love this group for the Ravens Ronnie Stanley Morgan Moses we know all about them Patrick McCary has done well when he's come in uh, uh, into the games for the Ravens looks very comfortable at left tackle when he's there. I think that's his best position. Uh, You know, I think that he's got the feet feet for it. I think he gets picked on a lot for his arm length, but Pat McCary as a backup left tackle is very good. 
And then Daniel Falele looks like a different person to me, Sarah. Looks so much more comfortable. Looks like he's improved his movements. Uh, we've gotten to see him, gotten to see him now in these preseason games. And he has a real future, I think, at right tackle with the way he's developed. Mm. Uh, so you look at those four, excellent group for the Ravens. Very fortunate to have that kind of depth uh, at tackle position. So I love where we're sitting there with the four. David Sharp, by the way, also looked very mm-hmm. good and had to leave him off the roster because there's, there's, you know, you're not going to keep more than four tackles. But it wouldn't surprise me if some other team looked at his play and said, he's better than the backup we have here. So, um, yes, David Sharp, I thought, looked very good in these preseason games. Just no room for him. I think fortunate's a great word. I feel like offensive offensive tackles are so difficult to come by. And I was very interested in hearing what you're going to say about uh, Falele with, with your film study. Here's a question. So I think we both could say that we're feeling comfortable. This is Morgan Moses' final year, I believe. And if it's not, I, I don't think that they would go into another year with him, given what Falele has shown. So if Falele can be the 2024 starting right tackle, what do you think about Morgan Moses and his play? And is there any chance that Falele could even supplant him, not week one, but at some point this season? I think there's a chance, but uh, I think the the veteran is always going to have the trust level of, okay. uh, of the coaches. You know, we know Morgan Moses and, and you never know. I mean, you can practice all you want, but until it's live fire and preseason is as close as you can get. And Falele has looked great there, but Falele would have to really, really show something, I believe, to get the nod over Morgan Moses if both are healthy this year. However, we could see Falele come in as a sixth offensive lineman. I mean, imagine the power you would have on that side, <laughs> being able to feel bad for that defensive end, right, or defensive yeah. tackle to be able to crush someone. Something I thought about with Ricard's position too. Okay, if we we need a blocking tight end, but then again, Pat Ricard can still run a little route and be an outlet in the flat, which you're not going to get from Falele probably. But um, but yes, great question. I've just been very encouraged by Falele's play overall in, in the open practices that we've seen and in the preseason games. All right, so let's finish up with Garden Center. Again, I think throughout the the whole offensive side is where we're all the same. Like I know there's okay. going to be differences on, on the defensive side, but there there is on this one, we ended up making the same decision, but this is where there's a bit of a, um, a decision to make. So uh, got Kevin Zeitler, of course, Tyler Linderbaum, um, Tyler Linderbaum, John Simpson, who I, it feels like he's won the starting left guard job. And then Salah Amuvai Laulu behind him. And then I did keep, uh, as as I think you did too, Sam Mustafer as the backup center. Um, feel like he played well. John Harbaugh spoke glowingly about him in his last press conference. Uh, I don't know if that's what like really pushed me over. Uh, maybe it did did influence me a little bit. I was already thinking of keeping Sam. But I just feel like now you've got your starting center and Patrick McCary can focus on backing up at tackle. Um, he could even back up at guard if needed, but they seem pretty stout there. You know, you've got Andrew Voorhees who will be on um, the NFI list. And then I've got Ben Cleveland out. Uh, it sure would be nice if if somehow Eric Dacosta could pull off a trade, get like a day three kind of pick there. Um, but that's where I'm at with it. And are you the same? I am going to spice up the show right here, Sarah. Get Ooh. your live reaction and make a change. Now I sent these Ooh. this list in to Bobby and you kind of on the moment. It was like, Jason, send the list. So I'm like, all right, I'll send the list. And then I had instant regret. So almost made a uh, an excellent call last year when I called that the Ravens were going to trade a guard. I predicted that they were going to trade Ben Powers. And instead, they traded Tyree Phillips. So I was that close. Ravens made a great move by keeping Powers, obviously, because he got paid. Uh, so this year, I'm going to make another out on a limb decision. And I'm going to put okay. Ben Cleveland on this roster. And I'm going to re- replace, uh, put Ben Cleveland in the rookie Big Solace place. I'm going to say that the Ravens find a way to work something out with Sala to keep him off the roster. Now, Sarah, this comes down to what I've seen in the games. It is John Simpson's spot 100%. And I don't think that I would get much disagreement for anybody who watched the film. 
to say, John Simpson looks great, by the way, but Big Sala has got some major work to do. You have to consider this is a college right tackle in the Pac-12 or whatever it's called now uh, who wasn't challenged. And Sala's getting beat, Sarah, with basic moves, you know, your, your basic push-pull moves, getting broke off at the line of scrimmage. He looks further away, way further away than um, – than I think the coaches want. Whereas Ben Cleveland has looked great. Now, I don't know what Ben Cleveland, what's going on behind the scenes with Ben Cleveland, whether it be meetings or coachability, uh, his technique hasn't changed, but he has looked very good in these preseason games. He had got off to a rough start with a bad snap uh, versus Jalen Carter, who was number one on my draft board last year. No excuse. You're going to come up against Jalen Carter's in the regular season, but Ben Cleveland, you're talking about collapsing the line, did a film study with coach Evans from sip to tally there has been dominant, dominant reps from Ben Cleveland. And you just know, Sarah, that if you put somebody with Ben Cleveland's pedigree out there on waivers, that he is going to get claimed and he won't be part of the team anymore. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's something going on behind the scenes with Ben Cleveland that I don't want to speculate on where he's kind of in the coaches, not on the coach's great, greatest side. But if I'm going by the film and Kevin Zeitler goes down or John Simpson goes down, and we need a guard. And you mentioned McCary might be held out for Ronnie's purposes. You've got to have more trust in Ben Cleveland right now than you do uh, Big Sala. And Mustafer, backup center. The Ravens usually keep a backup center like Tristan Cologne the last couple of years. He's been very quiet, which is good from the center position. But I'm interested. I'm counting on Mr. DaCosta here to be able to pull a rabbit out of his hat because I know they like Sala and they want to keep him. Can they kind of IR them, stash them some kind of way that I'm not aware of to keep Ben Cleveland on the roster? Or are we going to have to make a difficult cut somewhere else on this team? Okay, so okay, so you're not you're not cutting Sala completely and taking him to waivers. You are not advocating that. You are saying cut him, but find a way to keep him. Yes. Or are you I willing to put him out out to, you know to the wolves to be taken? Well, that's something that, that Eric DaCosta would have to decide for himself. I don't know what the other 31 teams are not in touch with how they feel about him. I mean, Salah was a sixth-round pick. Maybe he would have went undrafted. I don't know. I don't know what kind of injuries there are out there. Or, But I can tell you this. When it comes to the play on the field that we've seen, Salah has been overmatched. And I'm general, generally, as you know, very positive on the players. These mm -hmm. aren't like complicated moves that he's getting beat with, Sarah. This is like – He's whiffing on the fast, a 93-mile-an-hour fastball down the middle. He's not close to being able to hit it. It's that kind of thing. Whereas Ben mm -hmm. Cleveland, yeah, you're going to have some bad reps, and he looks awkward doing it at times most of the time. He's not the best, like most flexible athlete. But anytime you score Ben Cleveland or you look at the end, okay, he had a couple of bad plays, but he was also dominant, like just moving his guy to next week when he plays mm -hmm. in. You know, I, I think that there's something going on with the trust level between maybe the coaching staff and Ben Cleveland. Again, stuff we don't know about. But by the tape, I don't see how if Kevin Zeitler went down or John Simpson went down, that you can say, oh, I'd rather have Sala in there over Ben Cleveland at this point. And uh, I don't know if the Ravens are in a position to move McCary or anybody else in that spot or Mustafer. Well, here's the thing is I do not disagree. You are not the only film guy who's saying this. Like I know – Coach Evans is saying the exact same thing, that Cleveland looks great on film. Um, I feel like Cole Jackson is. Um, I haven't checked in on, on Ken in a minute, um, but you may, have, you may know where he's at. Ken's so, there too, by the way. Ken, Ken's okay, there Ken, too. Ken's there too. So uh, every film study guy I've come across has said the same thing, that Ben Cleveland looks far superior than Sala. And should be considered for left guard. Actually, I've heard a lot of people say that too. I just want to be clear though, for our purposes, because I know you're saying you're counting on Eric DaCosta. For our purposes, your call is to cut Sala and you have no plans to, to find a way to keep him. If I had to, or maybe he maybe he's a little hurt. I don't know. Maybe he's a little hurt. Maybe he's maybe he can go on IR to start the year. Um yeah, unofficially, officially, however you want to work that. But uh but yes, the Ravens have a way, as you know, Sarah, to not just keep 53 around, but to find a way to manipulate the For roster sure. to keep more than 53. And I'm just looking at, look, you got Bengals game two. John Simpson gets hurt game one. Uh, Kevin Zeitler or somebody gets banged up, has to miss a couple of weeks. And you're playing an important three out of five division games to start the year. You can't mess around with a rookie, un, uh, 
rookie right tackle coming in there and facing some of the guys he's going to have to face when he's getting beat by backups with, again, basic moves, not outstanding performances, yeah. just basic moves. He's not ready. He's, he's just not ready to contribute right right now. And I think Salah would be, will be good in the long run. Uh, I think he'll be okay in the long run. The coaches obviously. But, but you're not going to have him in the long run on your list, Jason. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And no. we have another one of those guys coming up later, by the way. So I kind of yeah. got to go out on a limb here and uh, I just got to go. But what I see, I don't know. We've all got our limbs. I just think yours is a long one. I'm not disagreeing with the film study at all. I'm just trying to figure out that I just don't think they're going to cut Sala. So, yeah. So, so what we'll, about what about my points, though? They're like. You know, if somebody gets hurt, are you willing to just say, okay, Salah, go ahead, uh, block Cam Hayward? Or, uh, no, 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 I'm not, I, no, I'm not saying, I, I'm not saying that like they shouldn't keep Ben Cleveland. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, I also don't see them cutting Salah. Like, I get your point in keeping Ben. And maybe, maybe this has all been like a ploy, right? Maybe this has all been a ploy of like pushing Salah forward and trying to hide Cleveland the whole time. And maybe trying to find a way to trade Sala. I mean, who knows? Who they knows? They did that last year so, with Ben Powers. Remember that he? That yeah. was one of the reasons I thought he was going to be traded because he did. He wasn't even in the left guard rotation. Yeah. So maybe that's going to be with Cleveland. But yes, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel good about it. I mean, I sent you the, my original list had Sala yeah, on it, changing yeah. it last minute. So I'm going with the flow. Hey, here, I like Sarah. it. I like it. I like some bold predictions here and there. We can't all be doing the same things. I've listen, and we all go down limbs, but it like how thin are the limbs, right? So I'll have one, but like I was willing to go out on it because I have a plan for it. Um, so so we'll one see. Last okay. thing, one yeah, last thing ahead. I say is that if the goal is to keep as many people as possible, Ben Cleveland, I believe, has a much better chance of getting claimed than Salah. Oh, that's true. I agree. Based off of what he's put on film, one thousand percent. So, all right, let's flip things over to the defensive side. I have got Justin Matabike, Broderick Washington, who just got signed to a long-term deal. Congratulations to him. Michael Pierce, let's hope he stays healthy all season. And then Travis Jones. I've got Brent Urban being cut just like he was last year, but in a handshake deal where either he comes back in a day or two or maybe he's willing to go to the practice squad for a minute. Um, but he's just like the classic guy that it's like, Hey, I'm here in Baltimore. I don't want to leave again. I'm a part of this. So wherever you want to put me on the roster, uh, I'm here to help out in any way. So, uh, so I'm keeping four. It's a little thinnish, but knowing that Brett Ehrman's still kind of there, I felt, I felt good about it. What about you? Me too. Same exact four, same exact formula. Brent Urban, not on the initial roster. We'll see you when we put Pepe Williams on IR and bring him back. So Pepe is going to make this roster later in the list here. And we'll bring Brent Urban to give us some uh, some depth on the defensive line. Good group again, almost like the uh, almost like we talked about with the tackles. You got a little bit of everything in there. These guys, the Ravens are going to depend on them for some interior pressure. And I think that they can get the job done with Matt Abike. And when you have guys like uh, Michael Pierce and Travis Jones, who looks wonderful, they're going to command double teams give Matt Abike a chance to rush the passer more in the role we saw Calais Campbell. So I love this group. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Perfect. Now, this is where I was shocked by your entries. I don't know if you have any last minute uh, changes, but why don't you give us your edge? Sure. Uh, away, Ajabo, Jadavian Clowney, Tavius Robinson did not have Bowser on there. I'm sure that's what shocked you. And that's just because uh, the information that I have right now, he hasn't practiced. And uh, I kind of set Monday, this past Monday, as my, if you're not practicing by Monday, that gives you three weeks. Like if you showed up to practice Monday, like, and, and started practicing, okay, that gives you three weeks to get ready for the season. That sounds like enough time. But I don't know what's going on with Bowser's injury. Now, they changed the rules, Sarah. You can come back after four games now. It's not six. It's not eight. So the first month of the season, I, I don't have Bowser on the roster. I haven't seen him on the field. I haven't seen him practice. So he didn't practice all offseason. He's eligible to stay on that pup list, and we can well, keep him. He's not him. on the pup list. That's what I'm confused about. He's what on are the, the rules? He's NFI. Is it the same rules? Yes, he hasn't practiced this season. So as Pepe, he was in practice, got hurt. Uh, Bowser's on no, the non-football no. football injury I, list. I understand that. Maybe I misunderstood the rules. I knew that if you were on, if you started training camp on PUP, then that meant you could start the regular season on PUP and then come off. Is it after four weeks? Yes, it's after four yes. weeks now, not six. Yeah, okay. right. Right. So it's the exact same rules for NFI. The same PUP rules apply to NFI. As far as I know, my goodness, you might be scaring me here, but yes, I, I, I believe I, I firmly believe that. Well, that maybe, maybe I'm not so shocked. If it's the same rules as the PUP, then I'm going to go down your same. My, my, my whole thought was that I was going to have him on initially and then moved over to IR, but I guess I just didn't know the NFI rules as, as, as well. Yeah. I'm not exposing Bowser to any, anywhere okay. else. I, okay. I well, have now I'm not as shocked. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I believe that. Like the like the pup list, if you're in the NFI, NFI, there's no specific rules. There's no. I think that that's why they haven't rushed to try to get him back, uh, you know, and try to get some work in. I think they just want to leave him off the practice field completely, put him in street clothes, not do any work off to the side. So um, I'm not sure if you're looking that up now or not. I am looking it up. Okay, I'll talk about Adafi Away, David Ajabo. Yeah, Jadavion go go for County. that while I look it up. Uh, yeah. Adafi Away. Uh, you know, I think that we saw a lot from him last year when he was moved inside to sub rush and beat some of these left guards, uh, did a great job of doing that. Uh, I think that Adafi Way, I'm excited to see what he does in straight outside rush as a rush end against some of these left tackles. But he will provide pressure. Uh, he will provide pressure from the edge. But I think he could be dominant as a sub rusher inside. Along with Jadavian Clowning, I think he's pretty good on the inside too. So they give you some flexibility with this edge group is to be able to put four really good pass rushers on the field when it's third and 12 and you're not worried about the run. David Ajabo, I'm I'm wondering, I'm not extremely worried about him, but I'm wondering if he just kept his okay. moves vanilla during the preseason. Uh, in other words, I'm not going to show too much. I'm just going to power rush, that kind of thing. Um, Tavius Robinson, a little bit. I would like to see him play a little bit better, cause a little bit of chaos, uh, more chaos during the preseason games. But obviously he's going to make the list. Not a lot of depth there at edge with Bowser being hurt. Uh, I think you're right, James, or Jameson. You are not Jameson Hensley. Jason, no. uh, I'm, I'm reading right here on ABC News is what popped up first. If a player remains on NFI after the final roster cutdowns, He'll have to sit out the first four games. Right, right, right. So uh, you got an extra, you got an extra spot, Sarah. Look at it as a positive. You got an extra spot on your list. Okay. Well, okay. So here's my list. Before I just realized that the NFI rules are the same as the PUP, I should have looked that up beforehand. But I had Odafe, David Ajabo, Tyus, Jadavian, and Tavius. So basically, you're you're saying people, but with um, Tyus on now. 
I'm guessing I have to make that decision for the purposes of this live because I 1000% agree with you. I felt like I needed to see Tyus Bowser. If he was going to play week one, I felt like we should have seen him this last week at practice. I feel like he would need at least three weeks, right? At yes. least three weeks to, if you haven't practiced all off season, you need at least three weeks to get ready for that. So he's out in my mind for week one. The other things is I remember on, on, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but when on report day for the first day of training camp, you know how the media always get videos of them walking into the building. There was a pretty noticeable limp. And I'm like, this is more than like a, it felt like more than a flare up. It keeps being talked about as if it's little, but every time I see him or like when he plays catch before the games and they always have that on, on video, he's always favoring his, his healthy knee. Like even when he's throwing. And so I'm just like, that doesn't look good. So the question is, is if he needs, he's for sure going to miss week one. Is he going to bleed into week two? And then if he's going to be bleeding into week two, do you just want to give him some extra time and let him have three and four? And then if it continues to go, then then more than that. So um, I just got to figure out who I want to put on in his place now that I realize what's going on here because it, it just doesn't seem like it's going to be anytime soon. So my original thought is that he was going to make it and then I was going to put him on IR and then I was going to bring somebody else that I cut back. So it's better just to take, keep Tyus on, on NFI and then I'll bring back one of my other cuts here. So, um, man, I'm kind of, you know, good, what, catch, good catch on your end. I'm kind of glad that you're wrong because if we had to fit Tyus on this roster too, it's going to be, it would make it even tougher. Um, but yeah. yes, I'm a firm believer, like, like what happened with Dobbins. Okay. Dobbins came back in the time, even though he wasn't at the joint practices, cause that's your most physical practice where it gives them a ramp up period to be ready week one. And so with Tyus, I, I think at this point, given the information that we have, uh, as of today, the, the 25th of August, that I expect them to miss a couple of games, at least, uh, in the regular season. And, you know, you I think, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Finish your thought there. I was going to ask you a question about something else. Sure. I, I was going to say Mike McDonald's defense also, I think, caters more towards a straight four-man rush, whereas the Sam linebacker position isn't as prominent with Mike McDonald. So you think of it like this. It has to do with the two inside linebackers that we have. You have your two inside linebackers on the field all the time, okay? You have your two safeties on the field all the time, right? So when teams mm -hmm. come out and three receivers – that gives you five defensive backs. So five defensive backs, your two inside linebackers are on the field all the time. That's seven. That leaves four guys up front to rush. So we're not seeing a lot of tricks as far as, hey, we got two outside linebackers and three defensive linemen. Which four out of these five are coming? Or are we going to blitz? Like Mike McDonald relies much heavily on a four-man rush and less heavily on tricks uh, which is what your Sam linebacker is all about. Tyus can rush. Tyus can cover. Uh, what's Tyus going to do on this play has caused headaches for defensive coordinators. So I think that the need for Sam, Sam is still an important position, but I don't think it's as big as a need as it would be under Wink. And we saw last year, Sarah, Brent Urban, Calais Campbell, others that are not dropping in coverage. That's not their job playing mm -hmm. on the edge of this defense while we were only had two outside linebackers to start. So I think that the defense is made where Mike McDonald can get, get by without your Sam linebacker for these first however many weeks while Tyus is out. No, that's a really interesting point that it's just not real. You still want him back, but you're, they don't rely on it as significantly as they did. Would you also say that, uh, although it sounds like he's giving the best pass rush, hasn't Odafe always shown some ability to drop back? Sure, sure, sure. I think yeah. and that, that'll happen. I'm not saying 100%, but ultimately you want Adafi away to emerge as a guy who's just given left tackles nightmares. Right, yeah. right. So it's not to say Bowser is not important. He's a very important piece. I'm just saying that Mike McDonald relies a lot less on tricks and more on, here's my four guys rushing. I'm going to flood the passing lanes with these five DBs and my two stud linebackers, and good luck finding a window. We're going to tip passes. We're going to intercept the ball more. And we're going to get home with a conventional Russ in, instead of trying to trick you. And I, I love that defensive philosophy from Mike McDonald to start the games, at least. Moving on to inside linebacker. Um, I have got Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, Malik Harrison, Trenton Simpson, uh, Delshawn Phillips. 
Now, Trenton System, I, I kept going back and forth. I like when I was trying to look for room, you know, of I right. went back and forth with Delshawn Phillips, and I thought, well, we've got Tavius Robinson who can play special teams. Obviously, Malik Harrison will continue to do that. He was all over it last year. And then I thought, well, Trenton Simpson could play special teams. But then I just don't feel like Trenton Simpson is ready yet. He's a rookie. He's uh, missed a lot of time. He did not look great in that commander's game. Again, that doesn't, uh, he's again, he hasn't had much practice. I'm not saying he can't develop into anything more, but I felt like come week one, I felt like they would need Delshawn Phillips um, for special teams. And he's made a lot of plays on defense. So I went ahead and kept him, even though I was looking, I had some roster crunches. Totally agree. Have the same five. Uh, and that's okay. what Trenton Simpson's scouting report was all about, right, Sarah? I mean, he was he got a second round grade for me, not because he was some savvy veteran linebacker, but he is a tremendous athlete, even by NFL standards. I mean, he ran like Zay Flowers at his t- at his size, a ridiculous athlete. Trenton Simpson just needs to get his GPS right. He needs to get his experience in there and being injured. Uh, even though it was just training camp was a, was a big setback, I think, to his development to be able to get those reps at at a linebacker, you know, at, not as a sub rusher or some kind of tricky position, but get those linebacker, get used to taking on blocks, get used to reading the run. Uh, tremendous athlete. He's, he's just not ready, in my opinion, as well uh, to contribute as, uh, OK, one of our back back up, one of our linebackers has to miss a series. Let's put Trenton Simpson in there. No, to me, that would be Delshawn Phillips at this point. I think he has played himself on uh, on this team, not only as a special teams ace, but as the next man up at, at, at linebacker, even over Malik. And Malik hasn't played has played well as uh, as well. And I think Malik's spot is safe because he is that extra linebacker, the outside linebacker that we used last year in goal line short yardage situations. So it's third and goal from the one. Malik Malik Harrison is in that lineup on the edge. Uh, some of his flexibility that the coaches talk about, hey, we can move him to the edge in this situation. A lot of that, uh, from what I saw, came in short yardage situations. So I think there's a spot for Malik and Delshawn, not only on special teams, but in spe- specific specialized roles on the defense. And obviously Trenton Simpson isn't going anywhere as a third round pick. So, yes, I decided to keep all five inside linebackers. There we go. All right, why don't you, here we go. Here's now. <laughs> Now we're getting, this is good. We've had some back and forth. We had back and forth on the offensive line. Uh, you you saved me on my edge picks here. Um, here we go. Cornerback where there's been injuries galore. This is where, this is what's made this whole year of predictions difficult. Who did you end up with at cornerback, Jason? Well, goal should be, Sarah, not to confuse people and just to keep it simple here because it is a mess. Uh, yeah. You have Marlon Humphrey. You don't know how much time he's going to miss, but obviously he is on the roster. Rocky Seen, he's back. Hopefully he stays back. He could be our number two. Brandon Stevens, we've seen him in a number of different roles, but he looks most comfortable as outside corner, and he's playing Marlon's spot uh, right now on that right side, that right cornerback matched up against a lot of these X receivers to be able to – you have to be an athlete to do that, Sarah. You have to be have some size to you to match up against some of the X receivers in the league size and speed. So that's Brandon Stevens, game. Uh, Darby mm-hmm. just signed to the roster. I'm not sure what he has to, I, I was surprised that he was moving around and practicing that short a time after a major injury. He makes it Jalen armor Davis, by the way, Harbaugh was kind of supportive of armor Davis a few days ago. I thought uh, before the preseason game on Monday night, saying, look, it's uh, kind of minimizing his injury when people were asking about it. Look, this is part of the process. Heck, he might even play on Monday. We believe in Jalen Armour Davis. So he's safe for me, even though uh, on this roster, even though I haven't seen the pl- I haven't seen him play. He hasn't played in a single preseason game for the Ravens. He only started 11 games in college. I'm not sure what to expect, but I'm leaving him on there. Demarion Pepe Williams, as we continue, uh, we'll be back sometime in October, I believe. So he has to be put on the initial roster before he's moved to IR. I think that yeah. they will do that, and then that's how they bring Brent Urban back. Kayvon Seymour looks like one of the better cornerbacks out there as far as playing that left cornerback uh, spot. He's made some plays this 
this preseason. He's also a very good special teams player. I think he's safe. And finally, our Darius Washington, who should be higher up on my list if I was going to switch him around a little bit because he looks like the starting slot cornerback having an outstanding, just a great offseason here, preseason camp and everything. Very proud of our Darius Washington. So that's a mouthful. I have eight of them with, you know, seven of them, maybe eight, depending on what happens to Marlon. Excuse me, eight of them, maybe down to six, depending what happens to Marlon week one in the opening, uh, opening day. Okay, so you have fifth-round draft pick Caillou Kelly being cut. I do. Talk I do. to me about that. Talk to me about that. I would say that considering how little he played in preseason game one, brought in late after all the other guys we just mentioned, and then his performance game two, I mean, I know he had a big tackle down by the goal line, but – I'm just not sure. The Ravens are going to need somebody, Sarah, probably early in this season to step up. We don't have Marlon. Um, I just I had to leave somebody off. I'm hoping that the Ravens can make a handshake deal with either Kayvon Seymour or Daryl Worley. Both of those guys are veterans and will qualify. But again, I'm just going to go with what I know here. I'm going to go no handshake deal, and um, you know I'm leaving Kelly off my roster. I had to make spot somewhere. I don't think you can expose Kayvon Seymour. He might be able to get a you know a solid job somewhere in somebody's rotation. He's a special teams player. I don't think that Harbaugh wants to risk that. And then Daryl Worley, uh, your fourth safety, a guy who can also play corner. Like I said, hopefully one of those guys, hopefully I'm wrong here, one of those guys makes a handshake deal. So I don't have an argument back and forth for you with this. Uh, maybe they can keep Kelly and then bring Worley or Seymour back. But I'm just going straight up meat and potatoes here and putting eight cornerbacks on the roster, eight cornerbacks who I believe are all ahead of Kelly in the rotation. Yeah. So this was super difficult for me because, um, well, everything we've said. So if I was basing this purely based off of the film and who I think can produce in 2023, I, like you, would have cut Caillou Kelly. And it's not like the Ravens have never cut a fifth-round corner before, like the, in their rookie year. They've done that with uh, with Wade, right? I'm trying to remember his full name. Sean, um, yes. Sean Wade, there we go. I don't know if there was more going on behind the scenes there or whatever. So it's certainly possible. Um, but I didn't feel like the Ravens would do that. I just didn't feel like they were going to cut their fifth-round draft pick. So I left him on, but like you, I felt like there was room for eight cornerbacks. I agreed with you. I feel like our Darius Washington, I felt like he was in jeopardy of not making the team when Arthur Millette was signed. But then Millette was injured through quite a bit of camp. And then our Darius Washington just played out of his mind. So I feel like he beat Arthur Millette to kind of be that nickel corner plus he can play safety so i took him over arthur millette mm -hmm. so that left me now remember i get a pick back yes. because i'm putting i'm putting tyus bowser on nfi so originally what my plan was was to make sure the handshake deal was solid because kevon seymour does have more than four years experience so he wouldn't be exposed to waivers and so I thought, okay, Keevon Seymour, I'm going to put Demarion Williams on IR, and we're going to bring you right back. Because depending on the health, he could be a starter, or he could be like the seventh CB, like depending on how healthy Rocky Sian is and how all that's going on. What I felt like happened is I felt like when the Ravens signed Ronald Darby, I felt like that's what pushed Keevon Seymour out. So... Um, now I have to choose cause I just spoiler alert. I have cut Daryl Worley also as another one that I was hoping, will you stick around? Like he stuck around on this practice squad in the past. So which one, both of them technically could make it back with handshake deals, but which one am I just going to give a solid spot to, uh, I, I, oh. knowing Brandon Stevens, he can also play safety. Ooh. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring Kevon Seymour back 
uh, with a solid spot in place of Tyus Bowser and then hope that Daryl Worley will do that handshake deal with, with Demarion Williams. So I'm bringing Keon Seymour back since I've got Tyus Bowser on NFI. And so now I've got nine corners, um, but knowing that Demarion Williams is going on IR within 24 I think, hours. I think it's a good call, Sarah. I, yeah, no argument here. Daryl Worley, uh, I mean, you have Ardarius has played safety. Brandon Stevens can play safety. I mean, you know, strong safety. We, the Ravens already have three guys that can play free safety. So your strong safety is basically doing a lot of things as your slot cornerback is doing off coverage versus a tight end instead of a, a slot receiver. So, um, but yeah, you you look at Kayvon Seymour. I mean, okay, Marlon's out. We don't know about Rock. We don't know if Darby's going to be healthy. We have no idea about Jalen Armour Davis. We know Pepe's out. Like. Seymour could legitimately be log in times as a starting cornerback very early in this season. And he was given the starters treatment Monday night playing four series and, and getting the heck out of there. So yeah. I had to put Seymour on my list just for protection purposes. I don't think the Ravens can, can play any games with him. Worley, I think is a good call. I went back and forth with leaving him on, try to handshake him and, and not, uh, just because, like I said, the Ravens have three versatile safeties. All of them can play free safety, and we have cornerbacks who uh, are experienced at playing strong safety. All right, so then take us through your the safeties that you do have making it then. Sure, yes, I kept I kept all four because I cut Kelly. Okay. So, um, okay. you know, if, if I make a mistake here, maybe they are able to handshake Seymour and Worley and or one of the two and keep Kelly. But I just kept all four. Marcus Williams, Kyle Hamilton, Geno Stone, what a blessing for the Ravens. And Daryl Worley, I mean, boy, he looked good at cornerback last year uh, against the Bengals, uh, defending Jamar Chase, a veteran player who has, seems to gotten his career on track. I wouldn't like to lose him off of waivers either. So I'm just, for the sake of this exercise and predictions, I'm going to keep the four safeties. All right, all right. And then we're both special teams. Justin T Tucker, Jordan Start, Stout, and Tyler Ott. So Ooh. Sarah, so Sarah, what are the yeah. odds? What are the odds Tyler Ott gets claimed? Um, you know, he's a vet. Uh, does any is anybody else out there in the league messing with their long snapper here week one before the season? It would be risky, risky, risky because you know the Ravens don't want to go through three long snappers. Uh, before the season, but something I thought about, you know, I was trying to exhaust every option, you know, yeah, I, 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 I can see where your mind is at, right? Like, of course you have to, cause we, I know that you were like me. I'm sure I started out with like 57 guys or 58 guys that I wanted to keep. And so you just keep looking, where can I find, where can I stash somebody? Where can I, which, you know, all of that. So I see where your mind is at. Like, okay, is Tyler Ott a guy? Whereas like, but at least with these other handshake guys, there's depth. Right. If Tyler Ott's out, like crap, we got to go find it. There's nobody who's been here with us. That's been with Tucker and Jordan working on this system. So I just don't think they could risk it, but I think mm -hmm. it's, it's uh, good that you were even looking for other places. I mean, I just figured I'd bring it up. I don't have the uh, guts to do it. It would have to yeah. be the firmest handshake agreement in the history of handshake agreements. But he would be eligible, and you know you don't want to mess with Justin Tucker, though, uh, or uh, your punts, but especially Justin Tucker's hair. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. All right, woo, well, we made it through. Wasn't the easiest one in the world. We'll see if we can beat our fifty-one out of fifty-three from last year. Um, I'm sure there's gonna, there's always a couple surprises, so we'll find out what that is. So, Jason, why don't you tell people where they can find your work? Sure. I'm right here on YouTube at Huddle It Up Films. Uh, for those listening in the pod arena, I do not have a podcast. I just keep it on YouTube, also on Twitter, at Huddle It Up Films. Plenty of coaches tape over there, Sarah can tell you, to help you look at the game from a little bit different angle. I've had a lot of people who have went on and purchased the product from the NFL themselves, and I'm always amazed, and it brings me joy to see what people notice on those channels. Cause I can do a, a video about Roquan Smith and people will notice what Patrick Queen's doing. 
it's just mm. it's just wonderful. It's just wonderful for people to be able to decide for themselves to get the angles that you don't get on TV. So very proud of my work over there and very proud of my football family and all the guests that I'm able to bring on. You should be proud. You've got you oof, the work that you put in and the amount of film that you put in. It's just uh, it's second to none. It's it's incredible. So thank you for bringing all that knowledge inside the vault today. Jason, appreciate you. I'm sure we'll have you on again uh, sometime soon. We'll definitely make this a yearly tradition for sure. We, but we got to have you on around draft and all that kind of stuff. So appreciate you. I, I just wanted to thank you and Bobby so much uh, for your support. And, you know, especially Sarah supported me since the beginning. I was nervous to ask you to have one. You're like, don't be nervous. Uh, so I love you guys. I always say football is family. Appreciate all the support and, and thank you so much for having me. All right. We wish you well, uh, Jason. Thank you. Thank you.